Hey everybody, welcome back to Bucketheads Land Grant Holylands College Basketball Podcast, episode number 34. I can't believe they let us do this 34 times and haven't stopped us yet. My name is Connor Lamond, and I'm here with Justin Golba. We are we are only a day away from Ohio State's matchup with the Loyola Chicago Ramblers in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Justin, this is a monumental game, not just for the Buckeyes, but for Chris Holtman and basically his standing amongst the fans. I don't think it's like with the AD or the athletic program, but as far as his record in the tournament, kind of the noise around him with the fans, this is a massive game for him. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how, like, like you said, with the, with the program, he's the, this game doesn't matter. They lose by 40. He'll have his job next year. But for the fans, it'd be nice to get one and, and hopefully maybe show. I don't I don't want to say show they can win a March because he's won. He's been to March six times and he's won his first round game five of those times. But, you know, a little bit of recency bias. Ohio State hasn't seen between missing the tournament. Well, not missing the tournament, but not having a tournament in 2020 and then what happened last year. Um, Ohio State fans haven't seen a first round win in three years. So I guess that's. That's where like context comes involved. Like if you say like Ohio State doesn't want a first round game in three years, you'd be like, wow, that's terrible. But then, you know, well, one was canceled, one was an upset. You know, it's kind of that's where I like context. Gene Smith did have a tweet yesterday, or I think it was yesterday, that was uh, I know that a lot of people were not happy about, but basically, Gene Smith tweeted like, <clears throat> excuse me, like Ohio State is in great hands with Chris Holtman. The program's in great hands with Chris Holtman. Um, which does not sound like something that an AD would say if he's considering firing guys. So if you're a fan who is hoping that Holtman's going to get canned once the tournament ends, unfortunately it's not looking too good for that because it looks like Gene Smith just uh, kind of gave his vote of confidence there for, for Holtman moving forward. Also, let's keep it real for a second. If you're If you're a fan who's rooting for them to lose so they'll get a new head coach, stop calling yourself a fan. Simple. Yeah. I, if I, if I you want, if you're going to root for them and they lose, and you want Holtman gone, that's fine. That's an opinion. But if you're rooting for them to lose to get rid of the head coach, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know if the people on Twitter, the angry mob with their pitchforks and stuff and torches, I don't know if they are hoping Ohio State is going to lose. Oh yeah, no. Most people are I, the second one. But I'm just, just saying. Like, they're just like, I've already accepted that we're going to lose, and then we should fire him once we lose this game. Which, um, And that's fine. That's an opinion. I'm, I can't I mean, touch an opinion a, there. It's, it's a 7-10 game where we'll talk about in a minute the matchups on a spot-by-spot basis um, in the very least are even. If not, advan- if not are in favor of Ohio State, they're in the very least even as far as like size and stuff goes. So um, it's not any kind of foregone conclusion that they're going to lose this game. It is not. Uh, a five versus 12 game. It, it's a seven, 10 and Ohio state's the seven for a reason. So, well, um, that's also, that's also kind of the interesting part is if you did not know who the seven, who the 10 was and just looked at who people were picking, you'd probably assume Ohio state was the 10. <laughs> yeah. The people's bracket on ESPN that we were talking about yesterday um, is holding steady right now. And when I say yesterday, we did a, we, we also recorded a full bracket breakdown our uh, uh, episode that, I don't know if it'll come out before or after this episode, probably about the same time. Um, Ohio State holding steady still with 52% of the vote over Loyola Chicago in like the people's bracket for ESPN. So the Buckeyes are still 
they are still the favorite to win that game amongst, you know, the common man right now, the common folk. Yeah, and I think, I mean, a lot of people that fill out March Madness brackets are people who have just tuned in for March, you know, and they look at some matchups and they'll look at some data and they'll watch some ESPN stuff to kind of inform them. And they're probably see, they probably see Ohio State, Lola, Chicago go, oh, okay, that's Ohio State, and they move them on. Um, and then there's probably a lot of people that haven't watched really a lot of basketball, but they see Lola, Chicago. And they go, oh, that's the team that keeps beating people in March, which is mm-hmm. which is accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they've had a great March run over the past two years, three years, I guess, because again, no COVID, no no, no tournament twenty twenty. But um, so it's it's kind of, it's it's a funny, it's a scary matchup name wise. But we'll get into it a little bit later with with the actual matchup on the floor. So the the good things about the the good things about playing Loyola obviously here's the first thing is Ohio State probably has the two best players on the floor in EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham they probably have the two most talented guys on the floor for the whole game um another good thing Loyola has a couple guys who are 6 8 or taller but they only play about 10 minutes a game their starting five doesn't have anybody taller than 6 7 so if Zed Key is healthy or Kyle Young is healthy or both are healthy you would like to think that with Zed Key healthy, Kyle Young healthy, and EJ Liddell in there, the Buckeyes will have some kind of success getting the ball down low to score against a team that doesn't have a center just like them. Yeah, it's a little frustrating that we have to keep saying, back to all the way to last year, if Kyle Young's healthy, I feel so bad for Kyle Young. He just has gotten the worst kind of breaks possible. Um, but it's true. they need him. They need him to be healthy for this game. Uh, the coaching staff has been pretty close-lipped about their status. You have to assume Zed Key will be good to go just because he was available eight days ago. So I don't know how his health could have gotten – unless something happened in practice, you have to assume his health probably would have improved in eight days of no playing, um, of just practice work, which right now you know, right now a guy at practice, they're not specifically doing anything crazy tough at practice. Their biggest thing right now is learning about Loyola Chicago. So they're not doing anything insane at practice to where Zed Key probably re-injure himself. So I don't know. You have to assume he'd be available. They need one of those two guys. If they don't have one of those two, I, I see I, this is probably – I would. I'm picking Lola Chicago. Uh, if they have one of those two, I'm sticking with Ohio State. But I hopefully Kyle Young can go. Uh, we don't still they, – they confirmed it was, it was in concussion protocol, right? That's what it was? Yeah, 100% concussion. Um, okay. But I know, even, I know Holman at one point said like there's levels to it, and he didn't specify the levels. But yeah, I mean, they said that initially. Initially, they said, you know, we're we're not as concerned about this because it's not as severe a concussion as the ones he sustained last year. But I, they said that, and they acted like it's you know it's not that serious. We didn't actually know for sure if it was a concussion, a concussion or not. We took him out of that game against, I forget who he was concussed against. I put it in an article that I wrote. He's missed three games though. Um, They said they pulled him just out of an abundance of caution, just in case with his history. And it was concussion, but they were like, yeah, we're pretty confident he's going to play in the big 10 tournament. Uh, Did not happen. And they're also not confident that he'll play in the NCAA tournament, which is a whole week later. So clearly um, either it's worse than they thought, or he's taking longer to recover or they're being more careful with him. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm I'm not confident that he's going to play though. I don't I don't like I don't like how little they're saying about him. It's also interesting that he he was in Indy with the team. He wasn't on the bench, which makes sense. If you're in concussion protocol, you're not allowed to be on the floor. But right. he he did travel, which 
to me says, I guess maybe that's just a senior traveling with the team. To me, that said, come with us in case we go to Saturday or Sunday and you're good to go. I get, obviously you can look that's not that's just speculation. I have no idea. It might just, like I said, it might just be a senior traveling with the team because he's a good teammate. I don't know. But that was interesting too. I thought if his if his concussion was serious enough, I didn't think he would travel. Remember last year when he had his concussion, they immediately sent him back to Columbus. So um I don't know. We'll see. Hey, we're not gonna know until Friday at eleven thirty at this point, so we can pretty much assure assure ourselves of that. Justin Sewing's out, which not too surprising. Yeah, Zed, Zed Key was on the bench against Penn State. Um, they actually didn't put out an injury report before the game. There was no comment about Zed Key, yes or no, but he was like in on the bench, like in sneakers and everything, like in uniform. So it sounds like he was available like in an emergency situation, um, which now that I think about it, I feel like losing to Penn State, the 11 seed in the first round, is kind of an emergency. But anyway. To me, to me that's said that said, if Joey Brunk fouled out got hurt. Or, or got hurt. Yeah, if, if Joey Brunk couldn't go anymore, because Joey Brunk played 32 minutes, if, so he probably couldn't have gone much further. But there, if Joey Brunk was unavailable in any situation, that's when it would be an emergency situation. That's what I took from it. So he was like, it sounds like they didn't want him to play against Penn State, but if, if they absolutely had to, he could have stepped on. So I agree. I also... If you don't follow Adam Jardy in the Buck Extra podcast through the Columbus Dispatch, definitely listen to that because he's got a lot of inside information. He also pretty much said, you know, he can't make it official, but he's like Zed Key. I'm pretty sure he was like, I'm pretty sure Zed Key is going to be playing in the NCAA tournament. He's like, I don't see any scenario where he doesn't play when he was pretty much ready to play Thursday. So if they have Zed Key in the starting lineup against Loyola, I'm sure Joey Brunk will probably get a ton of minutes too. I bet Joey Brunk probably gets 15, 20 minutes as well as Zed Key probably getting 15 to 25 minutes. Yeah, I think in this game, and this is if Kyle Young isn't healthy, if Kyle Young can't go, this is where I'll make that caveat. You have to have Zed Key or Joey Brunk on the floor all 40 minutes. Now, if Kyle Young's healthy, you can do that Kyle Young, EJ Liddell thing. And be fine because Kyle Young can play the he can play the five, and you know. But if he's not good to go, I think you have to have Zed Key or Joey Bronk on the floor, just because, like you said, that's just an advantage. Their their biggest guy is Aher Aguk. I, I believe I said that correctly. He's actually Luol <laughs> Dang's cousin. Fun fact. Um, so that's there. I saw that from no Jay Billis. No wonder you can't fucking pronounce it. Yeah. So uh, he's, he's he's a uh, Canadian, and he's he's oh, only crazy. averaging four point five rebounds per game. So he he so their leading rebounder is Lucas Williamson, their guard, who's averaging five yeah. a game. Yeah, they're so, they're not a good they're not they're a good not offensive a good rebounding or defensive team. rebounding so, team, which neither is Ohio State, but they're better than that. Well, and when Ohio State does control the boards, they win games. I mean, it's just simple. And granted, you can say that about probably ninety percent of games. I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but the team that rebounds the most tends to win. And you look at Loyola Chicago; they're a really efficient team. They're a top twenty-five team in the country when it comes to shooting from the two-point. From two, they're like 57%, which is pretty impressive. Braden Norris, their starting guard, he shoots the three-pointer at 45%. So they they make a lot of shots. So you have to take advantage of the shots they miss. You cannot let them to get any type of second-chance points or else they're just going to run you off the floor. Um, so, I mean, their average height is 6'5". You know, that's just that small. Yeah, I mean, it, the Ohio State needs to do to Loyola what so many teams have done to Ohio State this season. And it's why... Correct offensive efficiency is not always the best way to measure offense. And it's why I think some people get upset when 
Um, I know Adam Jardy always mentions, you know, they're still a very efficient offense. It's like, okay, then why do they only score 66 points if this was a highly efficient offense? Explain to me that, Mr. Numbers guy. Well, it's because efficiency is based on of how many points you're scoring every time you have the ball. The problem with Ohio State towards the end of the season, they didn't have the ball enough because they give up so many offensive rebounds. So they were still good when they had the ball, but they were giving the other team so many extra opportunities that sure, even though Ohio State was doing well with the ball in their hands, they, they didn't have the ball enough to, to like cut into deficits, which is an, a, something that Loyola struggles with. And if Ohio State has Zed Key and Kyle Young back, maybe they could like flip the script. I don't know. Yeah, this is this is a game to get into more of a little bit of kind of preview. Um, I do think Malachi Branham is the second best player on the floor in this game. I also think it's going to come extremely difficult for him just because Lucas Williamson, he was the 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 uh, Missouri Valley right. That's their conference. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 Missouri Valley conference. Defensive Player of the Year, and he's six four two. He's two hundred pounds, so he has that length to kind of match Malachi Branham. They don't have anybody that can match EJ Liddell. This needs to be a 30 and 10 kind of like we see we've seen Keegan Murray take over games. We've seen Trace Jackson Davis take over games. This needs to be an EJ Liddell masterclass kind of game. And I think he's I mean, look, the Oral Roberts loss is very fresh in all of their minds. Well, not all of them, because some of them weren't there, but all the ones that played, but I think it's fresher in EJ Liddell's minds, in his mind. You know, I we mentioned I mentioned this to you before the podcast, even before we started recording. When Ohio State Hoops put out that Twitter video of them watching um, their name get called and everything and kind of everybody celebrating, it looked like it probably Chris Holtman's house. It looked like his basement. Um, EJ Liddell was just staring at the TV. Like, I think he wants this game to be gone, like this game to start now. I think he's ready. I think he knows that they have something to prove. I don't think he he's going to the NBA next year. That's a foregone conclusion. I don't think he wants to go with, you know, what his tournament record would be zero and two, right? Did they his freshman year? Was he on that team his freshman year? No, it would have been his freshman year. Uh, they, freshman year, of COVID. It was canceled. Yeah, it was canceled, canceled his freshman. freshman year. So he would be zero and two in the tournament. So that's that's just not something he wants on his resume. I think he's going to have an absolute. And look, me predicting EJ Liddell to have a great game. Oh, okay, he's a third team. He's a third team All American. It's not like yeah, I'm not saying. I'm not yeah. I'm not standing on a, a a plank here. You know, like he's like, but he does need to have one of those games where like we look back and go damn, this dude's talented. And this, uh, yeah. just looking at this roster, Agook is a good defender, um, but he's not – he's just not on EJ that does level. I mean, he, he, like when I say they have the two like two best players on the floor, they also have the best player on the floor by a long shot in EJ Liddell. So it's like go get yours as long as – they need to hit some shots from outside. Obviously, Jamari Wheeler, just like Justin Arns needs to show up to this game. There's been games he just hasn't shown up. Eugene Brown needs to show up. Cedric Russell needs to show up. But this needs to be EJ Liddell masterclass. And if Kyle Young plays, I think he'll have a fantastic game too, like double-double dead game. EJ needs to take at least 20 shots. Oh, I, 20 I'm, shots. He's going to play 40 minutes. Like I'm very comfortable saying he'll play 40 minutes in this game, barring any type of unseemly foul trouble, which he doesn't seem – knock on wood, he doesn't seem to get into too much trouble with that. Um, the thing I do love about Chris Holtman too, uh, this will not be a Chris Holtman, you know, Thank you, podcast. But the one thing I do like is he doesn't auto bench, which what that means for you know, if you don't know what that means, if a guy picks up two quick fouls, they just immediately get pulled and they don't come back till the second half. He doesn't really do that. He'll pull you, but he'll pull you back. He'll take back in. You know, Jamari Wheeler had that issue a couple times. 
he'll he kind he kind of trusts his guys to just go out there and play defense without fouling sometimes. So I like that not auto benching thing because that could really affect teams in the tournament. Um, we already saw it affect teams in the conference tournament, so that's something that needs to be we will keep an eye on with that. But normally he doesn't do it, so that's good. I yeah, like it's it, it's rare, but the Buckeyes they they may have somewhat of a size advantage. Clearly a, a mismatch with Liddell. I don't think that. Um, you know, basically their best two players and their best two defenders are their guards. And we'll talk about them in a second where, where it's a concerning matchup for Ohio State. But their two best players and their two best defenders are their two lead guards. Um, they're not as strong with their with their forwards and their center, if you want to call it a center position. So EJ should have he, – he should be able to really be successful against this team, even if all of Ohio State isn't, even if like Jamari Wheeler and maybe Malachi Branham, if those guys struggle a little bit, EJ should get some good looks. I also think it's going to be super, super important if Zed Key starts to feed him early and often, establish that down low. Because in games when he scores like ten or eleven points, I don't know what Ohio State's record is, but it's got to be pretty damn good. Oh, I saw it. I saw it recently. It's like if EJ, if Zed Key's in double digits, it's like eleven to one, or it's not like, that high. But they've lost when, like one when, game. When teams have, when it gets to a point where like if you only single cover Zed Key, he scores that that's a problem and if they start committing more than one guy to zed key down low that makes ohio state unbeatable um when you have when you're leaving one of ej liddell malachi branham jamari wheeler or even like a justin arns sitting open which we know that justin arns is never left open under any circumstances it does not matter if they if they quadruple team zed key the fifth defender will be on justin arns like (laughs) Teams pay more attention to Justin Arns and EJ Liddell at times. They're just like, we're not letting this guy shoot. Um, if Zed Key can get established down low and really get going early, even if he misses a few early, it, get him going early, get him some touches down low. That'll open things up for everybody else. EJ will get some better jump shots when Zed's down there. They, they, they got to get him going. If they don't have him or Kyle, it's going to be a long, long day. It just opens up EJ Liddell so much, like you said. lets him kind of – it spaces it out more. Let's him get to his little mid-range jumper that he likes to get to. It helps Malachi Branham get into the paint a little more and get to his little mid-range jumper he likes to get to. And it's just the lineup I really want to see a little bit of, and it won't be their starting lineup, but the lineup I want to see is Wheeler, Branham, Russell, Liddell, Key. I think that when you look at what Loyola has and you look at Ohio State's personnel, I think that's Ohio State's best at least offensive lineup because you have three guards who can all shoot it. You have EJ Liddell is the best player on the floor. And then you have Zed key who can just, like I said, when he gets to his spots, he's one of the best just finishing bigs in, in the conference. Cause he just, he just knows where to get to and he can back you down. He use he kind of uses that cylinder to kind of uses his ass a little bit to get into, into his position. Um, and I, and I think Cedric Russell is going to have a big game, you know, guys like Cedric Russell and Jamari Wheeler, they transferred to Ohio state for this. For these games, they haven't played in any tournament games. These, this is what I mean. Last year, in the biggest game of Cedric Russell's career, they played Baylor. He had twenty-seven points. In the biggest game of Ohio State season against Duke, Cedric Russell arguably won them the game. So it's like he, he, he is not scared of the moment. He never looks phased. He never looks. He just looks ready to go all the time. And Jamari Wheeler, they don't need a lot of offense from him in this game because Lola Chicago is just not going to score that much. They only have two guys averaging over 10 points per game, and one of them's at 10.3. So they, they they just rely on defense. Even last year when they beat Illinois, they held Illinois to 58 points. They didn't, they didn't run them off the floor. They just stopped them from scoring. 
So Jamari Wheeler just needs to slow down Brayden Norris. That's going to be his mainly his only goal. And a little bit of Lucas Williamson, but that'll probably be more Eugene Brown area, which is yeah, a little bit, potentially. Yeah, which is a little more scary in, in and of his own right. But uh, look, we've seen Eugene Brown play good and bad defense, so let's just hope it's a good one this time. Um, but Brayden Norris is a 45% three-point shooter. Just run him off the three-point line. If, if he starts to like kind of go Jordan Bohannon on him, they're in trouble. You need to hold him to, you know, he's going to hit a couple because he's just going to throw them up and make them. But you need to hold him to, he can't go for like 15 or 18 or anything like that. That's when this team uh, can really kill you. So that's going to be Jamari Wheeler's, you know, go over all screens, just run this dude to death and just stick with him and make sure. Because Wheeler is still a very, very good defender. I think because he was a two-time All-Big Ten defender coming into the season, we had maybe maybe somewhat unrealistic expectations for him on defense, especially because the defense in, as a whole isn't that good. But he still he still had a good defensive season. Um, so he need, they need him to really make Bray Norris's night miserable or day. It's a 12 game. To answer your question... Ohio State is nine and two when Zed Key scores in double digits. That's what I thought. So yes, I think yeah. So I mean that's oh my gosh. Which is a very attainable which is very attainable for him if he's healthy. Ten points. Uh, you know, he when he really gets going down there, I mean, his only move really is you, you know, he he backs it down with his butt and then he has a right and a left hook shot. He doesn't even really have like uh, he very rarely like faces the basket. And is like shot faking to go if he almost always like hook shots it over his shoulder, but like he hits those at an insanely high clip. He just, you know, they're nine and two and he scores at least 10 points. I think that getting him the ball early, getting him touches, even if they don't fall early, just establish like, hey, this is going to be our bread and butter. We are going to go to him over and over and over and over. So you better send some guys down there. Um, that's going to be really important. And the bad, now if we move over to the, to, the, to, the, to the bad thing about this matchup. To why every single person is picking Lola Chicago, yes. They have the defensive player in the year in the Missouri Valley Conference, like you said, Lucas Williams, and who also scores almost 15 points a game. Braden Norris is also a very, very good guard, takes care of it, creates for others. I believe he averages like four assists per game, something along those lines. I have the stats pulled up. He averages, yeah, 3.9 assists, 2.1 turnovers. So he's you know the big creator, shoots threes at a very high clip. They are a fantastic defensive team guarding the ball. Um, and that is, unfortunately, um, on both ends, one of Ohio State's biggest problems is, is with guards. You know, they, they let too many guards blow right by them. And that's when the defensive breakdown happens. Um, when you have a guy like Lucas Williamson, if he's guarded by, say, Branham, he blows by Branham. He gets down to the paint. At that point, Joey Brunk or Kyle Young or Zed Key, whoever it is, is going to have to try to bail him out and you help him on defensively. Right there. You put him yes. on Yes, and then when Joey Brunk moves off of his man to help in this, you kind of put him by himself, and bang, that's when you get like like the Michigan Musa Diabate dunk. It's because you put Joey Brunk or Kyle Young in a situation where they have no choice but to either take this this free runner or stay on their man and give up the bucket, and it's and it all starts with perimeter defense. And Jamari Wheeler and Malachi Branham and Michi Johnson unable to contain their guy outside. Um, and Loyola has two of the best in the game at just slashing right by guys. And they're great defensively too. So I wouldn't be shocked if Williamson's on Branham and he really gives him fits. So that that's what concerns them concerns me about this matchup is is the guards. So while while Liddell should have Liddell should 
succeed. He should he should get his. I'm very very concerned about like Jamar Wheeler and Malachi Branham. Yeah, they need to get they need to get up to the free throw line. I think um, Branham. And think about like Lucas Williamson, his Drew Valentine, their coach. Who, mind you, this isn't a small thing. This is his first tournament game as head coach. Now, obviously, he's a. If you don't know anything about Drew Valentine, he came from Denzel's brother. Denzel Valentine's brother came from Michigan State. He was he was Michigan State's assistant coach. He's a Tom Izzo disciple, so obviously he knows how to coach. And again, first season they won the conference, a tough conference. Got to the tournament, they were twenty five and seven. But you never know how a coach is going to react on his first tournament game. So that's always something I do think. As much as people hate Chris Holtman. There is a clear coaching advantage here just in sheer terms of experience. Uh, Drew Valentine could go on to become the next Tom Izzo. I have no idea, but he is. Yeah. He's only had the – he's only had – he's only – he has never coached in NCAA tournament. So that when you put it in that context too it's like can you see this happening could you see after after chris holtman loses a 15 to 2 matchup last season do you see him coming into a first round game again this again this year against a 29 year old first year head yeah. coach and and getting out coached again some of the fans we see online will say yes absolutely it's going to happen me when i close my eyes it's kind of like when i close my eyes and see purdue playing yale i'm like get rid of your numbers i don't see it happening I don't know if I see Chris Holtman losing another first round game with these circumstances after what happened last year. I, I well, don't and think it's, it'll and happen. It's because, like we said, it's not like Chris Holtman's one and eight in the first round of the, of the tournament. He's five and one in his career, right? Like, and and if you look at that Oral Roberts game, truly, everything had to go wrong for them to lose that game, and they still barely lost. I mean, Kevin Obenar had thirty and ten. He'll never do that again. They were taking on the nation's leading. I'm not going to get into this game, but. It wasn't. I don't think that game was as egregious as people give it, make it out to be. And Oral Roberts was what three possessions away from the Elite Eight. It's a good team. So anyway, um, they don't have Loyola Chicago doesn't have a Max Admis, right? They're a different team, obviously. But Lucas, if as long as you can make sure that there's a name for Loyola Chicago that I, th- I think we need to watch out for, uh, Marquise Kennedy. Reason being, um, he's a junior guard for them. He averages like eight points a game. But last year against Illinois, he's damn near the reason they won. He Loyal Chicago, their, their stats were pretty much Cam, Crutwig, and friends. But I was about to say, yeah. He had 19, Kofi? 12. What about, what about Kofi's dad? Yeah, I mean, Cam Crutwig is the reason they won, but Marquise Kennedy really helped out. Off the bench, he had 14 points, three rebounds, one assist, two steals, two blocks, no turnovers. He was four for six from the field. Like, he was just super, super efficient off the bench for them and really helped out because, I mean, Bray Norris had nine points. Williamson had 14. They had two. Ego uh, started, didn't score at all. He was over two, so he really pr- provided a spark off the bench for them. That I think, um, you know, and it's just again, it's the problem that you run into with Lola is experience. Williams is a senior. Ryan Sh- uh, Schweiger, who is their third leading scorer, senior. Ego senior. Chris Knight, their other four, senior. Kennedy and Braden Norris, juniors. Tate Hall, senior. So they're just an, they're a veteran team. They understand the mission. A lot of them were there last year, and even some of them were there against Miami. And, you know, that run they went on, what, they go to lead eight two years ago? Is that lead eight team? They were a final four team a few years ago. Was it final four? Yeah, final four. They lost to Michigan so in the final four. Yeah, so so even some, like Williamson was on that team, you know, so they, they, they understand how to win in March. I get it, but 
again, first team, first year head coach. Um, so I'll give the advantage to Chris Holtman there. And coaching cannot be, you know, looked down upon when it comes to March. That's a key aspect of it, especially how to coach a team in March. And I do think it's important that Loyola Chicago played. You know, they won, they won their conference tournament. I don't remember when it ended, but Ohio State, you know, they've had nine days off, so eight days. So, you know, I, I do think that Ohio State will be rested. They'll be ready to go. I don't know the last time they had eight days off in between games, but I'm sure it was one of their COVID pauses. So, um, uh, Loyola, their last game, they won the Missouri Valley on Sunday. March 6th, Sunday. Oh, they're one of those that happens. The, okay, yeah, they happen the week Sunday, before. March 6th. So when this game happens on the 18th, that might be, they would that have might had be too rested. 12 days that would off. be 12 days off, but 12 days in between games, they would have, well, Ohio That's State would have about a week. It's interesting. That, that's when you start pushing. Have you, you know, is it too long? Um, and again, it can't be understated that this game's in Pittsburgh. That's a clear Ohio State advantage there too. So um, I do like where Ohio State fell. I think I think this bracket, them playing on Friday, them playing during the day, playing in Pittsburgh, I do think they got a good draw in that regard. I think they got a terrible draw in terms of who they're playing. Uh, but, you know, I don't I, – and I said this on our March Madness preview. I don't think it's the best 10 seed. I think San Francisco's the best 10 seed, so they kind of lucked out there. But um, I, I will be very interested to see just – I think E.J. Liddell, kind of like he's done in the past couple games, they just haven't finished, but kind of like he's done the past couple games, just take over early. You know, Michigan State, he had, what, like 12 points before the first whistle blew. He had like eight against Penn State before the first whistle blew. You know, just take over this game early, kind of put Loyola in a box, and then that's the difference between – and the Penn State game's a little bit of an outlier here – but when you're playing a team like Loyola that doesn't score the ball at a high level, if you can get – I know we don't trust Ohio State with any type of lead, but if they can get up by 10 or 15, it's a lot harder for a team like Loyola Chicago to come back from that deficit than a team like Maryland or Nebraska where you know we watched Nebraska put up 93 points the game before they played Ohio State. So um, that's not going to be Loyola Chicago. They're not going to score 90. If they do, God bless them. But um, Yeah, I think that it'll be a really entertaining game. I think it would be much more fun to watch if I wasn't personally invested into it. Loyola Chicago is, in terms of tempo, how fast they move, 310. Ohio State, in comparison, is is uh, 287, I believe. Yeah, 287, and Loyola is 310. So neither of these teams are going to be like a Kentucky or an Auburn getting the ball, sprinting back and down the, you know, up and down the floor. Loyola is going to want Ohio State to slow it down and have everything in the half-court offense. Loyola is going to want to slow it down and make sure they can get everything set up. Ohio State, and they've said this over and over and over. Liddell has said it before. Jamari Wheeler has said it before. They said, you know, our offense works best when we limit offensive rebounds. You know, we get defensive rebounds, we secure defensive rebounds, and we can get out in transition. You know, so that that should play to their advantage since Loyola is one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the country. They should not have too many problems with the Ramblers getting second chance buckets. But hey, every time we say that Ohio State shouldn't have problems with something, they go and lose to Nebraska. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and the caveat of what I just said about if you get up there, you know, you can probably keep them at bay. You can't get down because they're so good defensively. It's going to be very hard to go on that. 14 to 2 run if you have to go on it like they you know because they we've seen them have to go on against duke indiana uh, a couple other games illinois kind of well illinois is weird because they had to do it late but still where they have to go on these runs to win games they're not gonna be able to do that against little chicago because of how good they are defensively so um 
They, I think they just have to jump on them early. And it seems like when they jump on teams early, a lot of it has to do with Zed Key sometimes. He'll get like six to eight quick points or something, maybe force him into a timeout. And he just has this kind of swag about him where he looks real confident. That's where they need to get to. They need to get to that point. That's I think they, need, I think I think they that, need to force Drew Valentine. I'll say this. I think they need to force Drew Valentine to take a timeout before the under 16 in the first half. First two or three minutes. Timeout. Yeah, I mean, I agree with, the, with Zed Key. I think, you know, I, I want to see Liddell take at least 20 shots in this game. I mean, dude, this is your last college game ever. I'm, I, I want the ball in your best player's hand as much as possible. I want him taking 20 to 25 shots. I don't care. I, I don't care how efficient he is. I don't care if he starts one of 10. I want EJ Liddell shooting the ball at least 20 times. But in the first couple of minutes, I would like to see Zed Key get several touches. I would like Loyola to know that we're going to go to him early and often. We will keep going back to this well over and over. So you're going to have to commit to guarding down there. You cannot just sell out on EJ Liddell. I think that Zed Key is going to be crucial. And that's why I think if neither he or Kyle play and it's just Joey Brunk, I'd, I don't know. Everybody thinks that Joey Brunk is a better player than Zed Key because he's had a couple good games. But if you look at his, his game all around, you know, defensively, it's – He's he's done a great job filling in, but it's I don't want Joey Brunk playing thirty minutes in an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, uh yeah, agreed. I'll just say that I <laughs> agreed. I think if, if there's let's just like the because the problem is if he plays thirty minutes, that means like you said, Zed Key and Kyle Young aren't good to go. And I do think Kyle Young is more important to this team than maybe anybody else. If I'm if that makes sense, he's not the best player on the team, obviously, but he just. I mean, they don't beat Illinois without Kyle Young, right? They don't beat – there's a couple games this year they don't win without Kyle Young. So it just feels like he can provide those kind of plays that nobody else can provide that wins games in the tournament. I mean, we're both in agreement. And I, I would say of 80% of Buckeye fans I talk to, no matter how they feel about Holtman, they agree with this. They beat Oral Roberts with Kyle Young. I don't even think – like I think that's just a pretty agreed-upon statement. And – um I my uh fun fun little thing. My best friend went to Penn State growing up, and he uh he texts me during the, he doesn't. I don't think he follows college basketball that heavily, but he obviously watches in you know March. And he texted me during the Penn State game. He was like, "Is Kyle Young hurt again?" I was like, "Yeah, he has a concussion." He was like, "Didn't that happen to him last year?" And I was like, "Yeah." So it's like even people that don't follow college basketball at a high level, they know that Kyle Young has been missing. The Ohio State is missing this Kyle Young. Uh, is missing Kyle Young. So. You know, it's Kyle just, guy. yeah, this Kyle Young guy. So uh, I really, really hope he's able to go and just for his own sake. I mean, he came back for this, like he came back to play in March again and not lose in the first round to get some, a little bit of revenge. Remember Kyle Young has been on this team through heaven and hell. I mean, he came here with Holtman. So Holtman flipped him to here. So that's another thing. If you want to criticize Chris Holtman, he doesn't come to Ohio state. You don't get Kyle Young. And I think Kyle Young has been a great addition to this team. So Kyle Young is very good to Butler. He's very switchable on defense. He can pretty much guard your three, four, five at any point if you need him to. He's 100%. great at putting his great at putting his head down and just getting to the basket and drawing fouls below the rim, which is something they're definitely going to need to do against Loyola is get to the free throw line. Um, he's very, very, very good at getting to the basket and drawing fouls underneath. He's just he's a, just a really, really important player for them, and it, and it really would suck if his career if his if his career ends with him sitting on the bench. Um, watching his team lose the first round game for the for the second straight year because you know like you said that this is why he he came back. Um, but 
what what sucks is bracket the as far as the bracket goes, brackets lock Thursday morning. I don't. I, there's zero chance that we know anything about Zedke or Kyle Young until probably like Thursday afternoon. Ohio State has interviews Thursday afternoon. Um, you might find something out there, but the way that this team treats injuries and also like the gamesmanship and making sure that your opponent has to prepare for everybody, they're yeah. not going to announce. They're not going to announce these guys till Friday. We're not no. going to know, which that's means your why, bracket, your bracket pick has to be locked in, not knowing. <laughs> yeah. That, and that's another reason why they haven't, I keep seeing people. Why don't they just tell us justice suing won't play? Well, because justice suing is good enough to where if there's just an inkling that he might play in this game, you got to throw him on the scouting report, you know? So I, I think that's another reason, but obviously suing is a little different than young and key, but same deal with Kyle Young and Zed key is like, you ha- you don't want to tell your opponent, if they're playing until you have to, because they have to, there's four different scouting reports when it comes to how do you play without key? How do you play with them? How do you play without young? How do you play with them? You know, how do you play against Ohio state? So now Joey Brunk's on the scouting report. Apparently he wasn't for the Michigan state game, which is kind of odd. If you ask me, I don't know why Tom Izzo said that. Uh, Cause it doesn't look good for Michigan state because all the centers were out. He didn't plan for the only one that was healthy. Okay. It's weird, but any, nevertheless, that's a conversation for another day. But um, you know, I, I think, this is going to be a very, very, very – as you said, if I wasn't invested in this game, I'd be very excited to watch it. Uh, but I'm not excited to watch it because I am invested in it. So we'll see. So I guess parting points, I think, to sum it all up, concern definitely about the guards on both ends, guarding Williamson and Braden Norris. Yeah. Concerns about – It wouldn't um, suck if they got Lucas Williamson in foul trouble early. That's all I'm saying. I do not see that happening. I, I just either. do no, not see either. that happening. No, but definitely concerned with, with Loyola's guards on both ends. Um, looking at, looking forward to seeing EJ Liddell probably have a pretty good game. Should should find some open spots and get some big shots. Looking forward to hopefully seeing Zed Key, um, you know, get, get get hit early and often down there. Get some get some looks up early and often. But uh, you know, I think that there's some things you could definitely look at and say, hey, I think Ohio State's gonna have a good chance to win this game because of A, B, and C. And I think that there's some things that you can look at and say, I think that Ohio State's doomed because of A, B, and C. And I think that those two guys playing or not playing um, is going to be the, the difference maker. Um, I, I think that's that's pretty much how you tie it all up with that game. Yeah. Um, this game is just going to – and also, you know, it, when you look at just – I do think there's some recency bias when it comes to people picking Loyola Chicago because of what happened last year. Um, you know, and because it's of the way the Ohio State's, it's not the same team. I think Oral Roberts was just a god awful matchup. I don't think this matchup's god awful. Um, it, despite what Jay Billis says, Jay Billis does not like this matchup for Ohio State. But um, and it's not a good matchup. But I do think that, like I said, this matchup it matches up a little better. And I think Loyola Chicago's name is a little scarier than what they're actually putting on the floor. If Loyola Chicago, they kind of kind of fell not fell apart. They lost some games kind of later in the season. If they didn't win their tournament, they weren't in. So, you know, you kind of have that. They were maybe in, but I don't think they were in. So you kind of have that going for and against them in that regard. Uh, Cause they're playing, you know, with some momentum coming in, but also, like I said, you know, they've dropped, I mean, they've lost to, they played, they beat, lost to Michigan state this year. They lost to Auburn uh, in the non-conference. So, you know, they played them close. So they've played these kinds of teams, but they've lost to them. You know, in every regard. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I just, I mean, obviously Lucas Williamson is, is their best player. He's their X factor, but 
Braden Norris is a guy they just have to. It's like Iowa. You know, if you let Jordan Bohanna score 18, you're probably going to lose. If you hold him to six, you're probably going to win. So that's where we're at with this, with this, uh, with, with, with this team, I think. It would be also interesting to see if someone steps up to the second score. If Lucas Williamson can really, really slow down Malachi Branham, who steps up to be that second guy for Ohio State? I think it will be Cedric Russell if he plays the minutes, but I wouldn't count out, and I've been saying this all season, so I might as well just beat the drum again. I wouldn't count out Justin Arns. Just Justin Arns, yeah, I knew you were going to freaking say that. I, I, I mean, I've been beating the drum all season. Might as well die on the hill. I'm, I'm, I'm out of hope for Justin Arns. Great, great guy. Seems like a really nice kid, but I think that there's a reason that he's not using his extra COVID year. Um, Screenshotted. <laughs> if you guys found this on the website, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you find the finest of podcasts. Um, whether the season ends this weekend or not we will carry on we will continue once the season ends um we'll move back to uh bi-weekly so it won't be nearly as often but we will we will carry on whether ohio state wins or loses like joey brunk said the the sun will rise the next day um life will go on we'll be all right and also um land grant holy lands bracket challenge if you have not joined it search land grant holy land all separate words on espn um free to join one entry per person prize as a teacher and also you're going to get an interview and an article written about you and how you won the bracket challenge yeah and you can uh, find me at justin underscore golba or the podcast account bucketheads at bucketheads lghl um yeah and, you know let's hope uh let's hope this is a good friday not a bad friday i'm glad they're playing at 12 15 get that out of the way yeah, either good or bad. Let's just get out of the way early. Um, you can follow me or at Lamons underscore Connor, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor. You can follow Land Grant Hoyland at Land Grant 33. This will probably be our last show until after the Loyola game. So have a great weekend. Enjoy the basketball, everybody. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.